You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. Ooh, good morning. How are you guys feeling? How's it going? There's some energy in the room right now, man. That was a hearty good morning. That was almost a great morning. Great morning. I'm going to start doing that one, man. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We are cruising through our series called Greater, and I have some exciting news this morning. We are moving through this series. We have been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Mark. And two weeks ago, we sent the disciples. Two weeks ago, we sent you to go out and be on mission, right? To go and tell the world that the kingdom is here and the king is calling. We have been sent with a message that though we were created to be with God and for God, that we've left God but that he's come on a rescue mission so that all who put their faith in him can be restored to the family. Do you remember that? How many of you guys have done our our gospel dance? Come on. Get on your feet. Right, come on. We had like a whole musical here. It was amazing. And so two weeks ago, we commissioned everybody to go out, and this week, guess who's back? I said, guess who's back? The disciples. The disciples are back. They are back, and it's just in time, too. Man, I'm so glad they're back this week because they have made it just in time for one of the most famous miracles in the Bible. How many of you in this room are familiar with the feeding of the 5,000? I need to see it. Come on, hands up, hands up. This is going to help me. All right, keep them up. One, two, three. No, I'm just teasing. All right. So you've heard of this miracle, okay? I went back and I found some live footage from Jesus' Instagram, and this was taken on the day. Taken on the day. This is... Man, Jesus just has that drip, man. He's just always fresh, right? I'm going to start preaching like this. Just bust out the robes, you know? They call that a shawl. My wife will buy those sometimes. Like, why'd you buy curtains? She's like, it's a shawl, you know? Like, that covers your whole body, you know? But anyway, this is a miracle. You've heard of the miracle. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. As a matter of fact, the text says he feeds 5,000 men which means all those men had some ninos, right? And so it was like 5,000 times three, four, five. This is a miracle. And so you've heard of it. But what we realized this morning, as we put this miracle in context, as we come to this miracle, as we go verse by verse through the book, we realize that this is not just a miracle. It's actually a midterm This is not just a miracle. This is actually Jesus being in the middle of a lesson. Class is in session, and he is teaching his disciples something through this story. And so, yes, 5,000 men benefited from this miracle. But really, the 12 benefited so much more because it it shaped how they lived the rest of their lives. You see, in this miracle... We are actually entering into a classroom. We're actually seeing Jesus in the middle of training his interns, right? This immersive internship of learning how to follow Jesus. And as he has this class going, as he's in the middle of this lesson, we realize that, yes, he has been training their heads. 
they got to know the gospel. Yes, he's been training their hands. They have to learn, right? How do they do the works of the kingdom? But today we realize it's not enough for them to have training for their heads. It's not enough for them to have training with their hands. Jesus wants to train their hearts. What is the proper heart posture for these disciples before they go? Jesus wants to train your heart. What is the appropriate heart posture? What is the appropriate thing that you need in your heart if you are going to leave here this morning and go and reach your community? Jesus wants to train, yes, your head, yes, your hands, but also your heart before you go this morning into the neighborhood in which he's planted you. Before you go back to work tomorrow amongst the co-workers where he's planted you. Before you go back to your families and all of these places, what is the heart that is required for those who are sent ones? And so we're going to find out this morning. Class is in session, and I'm going to ask you to turn in your Jesus notebooks to verse 30 of chapter 6. Here we go. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. All right, let's pause our story there. This is scene one, friends. Scene one, the apostles are back. They have come, right? Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we sent them on a solo mission. And until that point, when I heard follow Jesus, I thought that meant I will follow Jesus and watch him advance the kingdom, right? Remember we thought that? I thought follow him meant we'll just trail behind him as he goes town to town, preaching the gospel, doing good works. But two weeks ago, Jesus said, okay, your turn, go get him. And we were all like, what? And he goes, write this down in your notebooks. To be a follower of Jesus is to help others follow Jesus. And so we learned that this is not a, a passive observing sport. This is a, you're in the game. He's training them. And so here we go. They have gone to increase the fame of Jesus with their good works. They have gone to call others to put their faith in Jesus with their gospel. But now they're back. They're back. And they start to debrief with Jesus. And they tell him all that they had done and taught and so Jesus says, how to go? And they're like, yo, Jesus, remember how packed it was at Chick-fil-A on Saturday? Remember that line at lunchtime on Saturday? It was like that. Jesus, we were slammed. And they start talking over each other. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was so nervous. You said to go. And I was like, I don't want to go. And you were like, you're going. I was like, okay, I'll go. And they're going out. And they said, I was so nervous. I don't even know where to begin. What will I say? What if, what if somebody asks me a question that I don't know the answer to? What do I do when I'm out there and you're not with me? But Jesus, I can't even believe I was nervous because once I got started, there was no lack of interest. There was no lack of opportunity. There was no absence of need. All day long, Jesus, you should have, you should have seen it. Many were coming and going. They're like, yo, Jesus, I, I've worked through lunch before, but I've never worked through lunch and dinner. This was crazy. And so Jesus, he hears it all. And he's smiling and he goes, I know. I told you, I know. And now here's what I want you to do. The first thing he tells them in response to this successful mission 
come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. The first thing Jesus tells us as we're training for our mission is that the demands of kingdom work require rhythms of rest. He goes, that's cool. And now it's time for some solitude. It's time for some rest. I want you to take a break from the crowds, and I want you to decompress. I want you to recharge. Let's go get on a boat and go to our spot on the other side by the lake. Now, here's my personality. I'm going to go, whoa, Jesus. Ah, time out, right? I hear you, but I feel like this is a perfect time to put in some overtime in the kingdom. Like, Jesus, did you not hear the lines? Did you not hear what I said about the need? Like, this is our time. We have to strike while the iron is hot. And so I was thinking, maybe we just go right back out, do a few more crusades. You know, I'll rest when I'm dead. Jesus, there's so much more. I mean, so much more. We got to keep going. The work is too great to rest. Friend, what do you do in your life when the work is too great to rest? What do you do in your life when the needs are piled up so high, when the phone calls don't stop, when the emails never cease? What do you do when the work is too great to rest? And so Jesus comes here, and he says, here's what I want you to know. The work is too great to not rest. The work is too much to not rest. There is so much to do that if we are going to go the distance in this lifelong marathon called kingdom work, then we better rest and recharge. We like to say, oh, I'll rest when I'm dead. And Jesus is saying that day will come a lot sooner than you'd like if you don't go and rest now. Come away. Come away. And I love what he says here. He doesn't say go and rest. Friends, do you see it? He doesn't say, hey, Here's, here's the keys to my house. I got a little lake. Go and rest. He says, no, no, no. Come and rest. This is an invitation to come and rest with Jesus. Where the crowds have been draining, Jesus' presence is refreshing. When there's no more to debit from your account, when there is no more to withdraw for others, Jesus says, come and experience my deposit that I will put in you. Come away, rest with me. You see, friends, he's training them. He's training you and me that if we are to minister and handle the load of kingdom work that he has for us, if we are going to handle the endless needs, if we are going to keep up with the endless opportunities and the never-ceasing demands, then we must remember that the demands of kingdom work require rhythms of rest. This is how we do it. Mission, rest. Advance, retreat. Minister, solitude. We must run at a pace and with a rhythm that ensures that we will last to the end. That ensures it will carry us the distance. Do you have these rhythms in your life? Has anyone else put an asterisk next to the commandment that says, thou shalt work six days and then take a break. Well, Jesus, it was like a metaphor. <laughs> you know, it was like a metaphorical rest. He said, no, work six days and then break. See, Jesus is teaching, friends. 
he's teaching us that it's not a badge of honor to say, look how much I've worked through without needing a break. I don't know where I determined that that was a badge of honor. That's a badge of foolishness. Look how much I've done without needing to pause. And Jesus says, I'd prefer you to be more like me. The demands of kingdom work require rhythms of rest. Jesus is teaching, friends, classes in session. We must make time to come away and be with him, to step into his refreshing presence and pause. Do you want to get away with me this morning? Anyone want to come? I know a really cool spot by the lake. You guys want to come with me? All right, it's time for some R&R. Here we go, friends. Let's get out of here. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Here we go, friends. These people have found out the itinerary of Jesus, and they literally run ahead. They see where the disciples are going. They recognize the very men who are on their way to vacation, and they run. Not a stroll, not like, well, you know what, let's just walk over there. We'll give them a little bit of time to rest, and then we'll catch up. They're running around the lake. I mean, these are people that are hungry. There is a neediness that borders on desperation. They are picking up what Jesus and his disciples are putting down. So they run. I want you to imagine that you're the disciples. And you just had a nice boat ride. How many of you got a nap on the boat? It was a little bit turbulent for my taste, but, you know, no, no it's okay. And so you're on the boat, and you're, and you're getting out of the boat, and you, and you pull the boat into the sand, and you're just, ah, a day off, you know. And you're like, this is my favorite spot. We're out here, and the best part, there's no one here. There's not even a Walmart within walking distance. I mean, this is perfect, desolate wilderness. I'm out in the countryside. And so you start walking up the hill, and you're like, yo, Peter, what are you going to do with your day off? And he's like, bro, I bought a, this brand new murder mystery book. I'm going to set up my hammock by my favorite tree, and I'm just going to read a book today. What are you going to do? James is like, well, you know what? I just brought Lord of the Rings extended edition. Your boy's about to watch a four-hour movie that's how I recharge. And other guy's like, me and Jesus, we're going to go play cornhole, right? And then Andrew's like, actually, there's my favorite watering hole. We're going to go and swim. And oh, man. And you're just walking up that hill and you start to get giddy. You know what I mean? You're like, it's like a schoolgirl, you know? And you're just, you can't wait. You're cresting that hill and you're like, I just can't wait to see my favorite spot in the tree in the watering hole. And it's awesome. And you get up to the top of the hill and you crest the hill. And there are thousands of people in your spot. There are hundreds of people doing cannonballs in your watering hole. There are people sitting under your favorite tree. And when they see you, they look and they go, they're here. And they start chanting, we want more. We want more. We want more. We want more. And all you can do, your, your book drops, your jaw drops, and you just got the silent cry. 
thought it was a day off. And you start weeping as they chant, we want more. Is that how you would feel? Right? But here's the point of this passage. Mark doesn't emphasize how the disciples are feeling right now. He wants us to notice how Jesus responds to this crowd. Because Jesus, he sees the same great crowd. Jesus sees the same hungry mass of people who have just literally ran on foot miles and miles and miles in hunger and need and desperation. And Jesus, when he sees them, it says this, he had compassion on them. You see, friends, the hunger of the sheep stirs the heart of the shepherd. The hunger of the sheep stirs the heart of the shepherd. When Jesus sees the same crowd, he has compassion on them. He doesn't roll his eyes as if they're an obstacle to his comfort. He sees this as an opportunity for his compassion. He sees a flock of people who have lacked loving leadership in their life. He sees people who have been hurt and neglected by the religious establishment. He sees people who need a shepherd. And so please hear me. He's not exasperated. <sighs> Dude, my seven-year-old, I don't know when he's learned it, but like he learned how to breathe hard. <sighs> I'm like, you need an asthma pump? What's going on, buddy? You know? When do kids learn how to breathe hard, right? Man, right? <sighs> he doesn't breathe hard. He's not angry. He's not exasperated or frustrated. He doesn't roll his eyes like I would and just bust out some quick teaching. You know, I don't have time for a teaching today, but here's my notes. You read the spark notes. Call me if you have any questions. He doesn't do that. If we were to hold up a, one of those stethoscopes to his heart, we would hear, ugh. No, there's no ugh emanating from Jesus' heart. Only compassion. We hear, oh. As my Puerto Rican mother would say, oh, Dito, bendito, oh, compassion. And so what does he do? He's stirred, right? His heart is literally moved. He goes, oh. And so he begins to teach them many things. He ministers to them. He shows up. He is selflessly present with them. And so he spends all day hearing them, talking to them, healing them, teaching them many things. He is present and he gives them himself. Why, friends? Because the heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. The heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. And so here's what I just did. A moment ago, I asked you to put yourselves into the feet of the disciples, right? How would you feel if it was your off day? That's not the point. Because we're less like the disciples and we're more like the needy crowd, aren't we? How many of you can see your faces in that crowd? How many of you would be the kind of person that's literally running on foot around the lake chanting, we want more, we want more? How many of us are needy to the point of desperation and our prayer lives sound like we want more, we want more? And so here's the point, friends. We who are like the needy crowd, we are being told here by Mark that the heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. We are being encouraged to come, encouraged to run to him. Be encouraged that Jesus is not exasperated with you. You again, 
Didn't I just answer your prayer yesterday? You again, didn't you just ask me for something last month? You again, never. The heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. And so what do you need? What are your needs, friend? Come to him. Come to him. This is why he came. Permission to leave your silent suffering at the door. Permission to shed your self-sustenance, right, and your self-reliance. You can come to him, experience his loving care and compassion. Come close enough and you will hear that he never responds with a ugh, but always an awe. He is the good shepherd. This is why he came. This is his heart. So I wonder, is that the same heart we hear in his disciples? Is that the same heart that we hear in his followers? Look at that verse again. It says, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. All right, Jesus, enough is enough. We get it. You love the sheep. Send them home. Was this a thoughtful gesture, right? Were they going, you know what, Jesus? We really would love for them to stay, but we're just going to look out for them. They need to get something to eat. It's, we need to send them. I'm just looking out for them, Jesus. Me, personally, I'd be here all night, but they really, it's in their best interest that you leave them alone. Let's let them go. My mom, I noticed growing up, she always had this funny mannerism, and, and I didn't even realize she did it until one of my college buddies called me out for doing it. But when my mom was done on the phone, she goes, all right, I'm going to let you go now, right? Isn't that like a fun little cultural thing? Like, I'm letting you go. It's just a polite way of saying I'm done, right? I'm hanging up now, bye. That doesn't, that's not as nice, right? I'm going to let you go. Are they saying, hey, I'm going to let you go now. I'm, I'm going to let you guys cut out. No, these, this is the sound. This is the recommendation of a person whose day off just got hijacked, and they're feeling a little bit snippy, <laughs> right? Can you hear it in their tone? Can you hear what they're saying? Because Jesus can. Jesus hears their tone. Jesus sees something in their heart when they say, hey, now it's late. Dude, they could have just said, it's late. They're like, oh, now it's late. Right? I know, I, like, talk back 101 as a kid, right? The way to get under my mother's skin, you just add extraneous words. Right? She, hey, it's late. Now it's late. Hey, that was an unnecessary word. My mother was like, just the grammatical ninja there, just parsing things for me, you know? And it's like, now it's late. Send them away. Let them buy themselves something. Hey, extraneous, you didn't need to say themselves. Let them, buy some, let them buy themselves something to eat. Can you hear it? Do you hear what Jesus hears? Do you see what Jesus sees? This is a lack of compassion that mirrors his own. This is a lack of concern that reflects his care and concern. And Jesus, his ears perk up. He goes, what? Did I detect a little bit of lack of compassion? Do I hear a little bit of lack of concern? You have to understand, friends, he is training these people. He is training these leaders to go and watch over and care for his flock. These are the people that he's about to entrust his church with in just a few short years. And I want you to imagine that you have a babysitter coming over. 
right? And it's maybe the first time that you're using this babysitter, and you're like, all right, hey, here's the emergency contacts. Here's where the food is if you need. And they're like, just get out of here, Mr. Cassis. I got it. And I'm like, man, I don't like that thumbs up. That was a little bit too uh, convincing, right? And so I'm walking for the door. I'm like, you sure you got it? We're good. And then I hear Micah say, excuse me, where's the food? And they say, can you just shut it, you whiny brat? And I'm going to go, oh, date night's canceled. Ho, ho, date night's canceled. I'm not leaving my children with that. I'm not entrusting my child with that. And Jesus says, I'm not leaving my church with that. And so he says, I know we had a day off here, but class is in session. Disciples, open up your notebooks, please, because my followers will not lead my church like this. I know you think you know it all. You have your head filled. You have your hands busy. But I want your heart right. And so class is in session, and he's going to teach them a lesson. So look what he does. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And, while they had, and, and when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Anyone else hear a little bit of sarcasm from the disciples? They had just said to Jesus, let them go buy themselves something to eat, right? Meaning, hey, let them fend for themselves. They are not our responsibility. This was not part of the job description. Let them go and buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus is like, yo, I know grammar too. I can use extraneous words too. And he says, no, you give them something to eat. Not give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. This is your responsibility. Care and compassion are parts of the job description. I'm just going to tell you right now, as your pastor, if Jesus instructs you like this and corrects you, you know what your answer is? Yes, sir. Okay? If Jesus puts you in your spot, say, good point, lesson learned, thank you, moving on. But these boys were hungry. These boys are tired. They're a little bit stressed. And so they decide to get snarky with Jesus. And he goes, oh, really? Okay, so you want us to go out and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Is that what you want, Jesus? A denarii is a day's wage. So they're being sarcastic here, right? They're saying, do you want us to go and spend a small fortune on bread from the stores that don't exist? Can you hear it, friend? It's not just that their tone is bad. It's that their hearts are hard. And so Jesus, he doesn't back down. He says, I have an idea. Why don't you just go and see what you have? Before you determine that we don't have enough food, why don't you go and check what we have? And they're like, oh, okay. So now you want to waste our time? Okay, okay. Hand me that basket, Lindsay. Hand me that basket, right? Okay, go and check what you have. And they go, all right, we'll, we'll. And they come, they say, hey, Jesus. We found five loaves of bread. Oh, and just in case it puts us over the top, I found two fish too. 
Do you want us to go start passing those out right now? Do you, do you want us to like start passing it out, or would you like to say grace first? You know, Jesus is a bad man. I know we paint him all meek and mild, and he is. But Jesus is a man. He has iron in his blood. And so Jesus says, oh, I'll say grace first. He says, oh, I'll say grace first. And so he says, everybody, I want you to sit down in the green grass. And as they're organizing themselves into 50 and hundreds of 50, right? And he takes it and he lifts his eyes to heaven and he prays. And he blesses it, it says. And then this is what he does. He comes. And I don't even, like, what does it look like, right? Like, is it just like a fountain of bread? Like, looks like a SpongeBob episode. You know what I mean? It's just coming out, right? No, he, he comes and he goes, all right, amen. And notice, he doesn't start passing it out. He doesn't start, hey, guys, forgive my disciples. They're off their game today. But here you go. Tip your waiter. Here we go. Okay, here we go. He doesn't start passing it out. He doesn't start going to all the groups. What does he do? Pay attention to the words in your Bible. It says he gave them to the disciples. As I was saying, you give them something to eat. And they come with their baskets. And I just imagine Jesus, he's like, some for you, some for you, right? And it just never ends, though. The basket never runs out. Like the woman's oil, right? Where they poured the oil in the jar for the widows. And he's just like, boom. It's just not a lot of weight, but a lot of reps. And he's just sitting there for a hot minute. Just boom, bread, bread, fish, bread, bread. And he's just passing it out. And he goes, now you go and feed them. Puts it in their hands. And look what it says, friends. From five loaves of bread, from two pieces of fish, they all ate and were satisfied. If there was ever any proof in the Bible that Jesus was Puerto Rican, this is it. <laughs> Man, we'd be on the last day of our paycheck. Dad gets paid tomorrow. I'm like, we have no food in the fridge. He goes, do we have any butter? I'm like, yeah, she's like, that'll do. Bam! My mom was resourceful, right? But that's not a miracle. That's just mom. This was a miracle. From five loaves, everybody eats. They don't just eat. It says they were, until they were satisfied. That means they went around and offered seconds. And there were still leftovers. You know what I mean? It wasn't like 497, 498, 400, oh, 5,000. 5, there we go. No, no, no. It's still leftovers. Jesus didn't just show up. Jesus was showing off. There were leftovers. And how many leftovers were there? How much was left over? Here's where Jesus is showing off now. Twelve baskets. Twelve baskets. One for every disciple to sit there eating a big piece of humble pie as they realized, oh. Sometimes the best prayer you can pray in humility, oh. And they're sitting there holding in their hands, a vivid illustration. Sitting there holding in their hands the latest exhibit of the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach them, friends. And it's this, provision is not an issue in the presence of the shepherd. They held in their hands a lesson that they would never forget. And I can just imagine as they walk back to Jesus sheepishly, and you know Jesus is not backing down, right? He's like, so how'd it go? It was good. I couldn't hear you. It was good. Was there enough food? There was enough. What? There was enough. How many bread did I have? 
five. How many fish? Two. Oh. He goes, you didn't have any leftovers, did you? Yes. How much? Twelve baskets. And when Jesus answers a prayer with, oh, it's a good prayer. There's your whole prayer life right there. Oh. Oh. Provision is never an issue in the presence of the shepherd. He says, you guys thought, you thought we didn't have enough. You thought that this need was too great. You thought, you assumed that this was more than we could handle, but you don't get it yet because I'm the shepherd who lays down the sheep in green pastures and restores their soul. I'm the shepherd who leads you beside still waters. I'm the one who is with you even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I am the one whose rod and staff comfort you in those green pastures. When I'm with you, you shall not want, for I am your shepherd and I am greater than your need. You thought that thousands of people being in a desolate place would be too much for us, but have you not checked my resume? Have you not looked on my resume under the section called Exodus? I do this. Thousands of people in the wilderness wandering in desolate places. He says, Moses asked for provision from heaven, but your boy is greater than Moses, for I am the provider and the provision. My life is the bread of life, and all who come to me will never hunger again, but will be satisfied. Forget manna from heaven. I'm here Anyone else want to know this shepherd? Anyone else want to be known by this shepherd? Friend, what do you need? He's here. Run to him. Provision is not an issue in the presence of the shepherd. I know it seems impossible. I know, I know it seems insurmountable, like thousands of people in the wilderness without a Chick-fil-A around. How are they ever going to eat? But this is what he does. He does this. He provides. He is able to show up. He often shows off. What do you need? Tell him. Provision is not an issue for him. And you know why? It's because the heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. The heart of the shepherd cares for you. Bring your needs to him. Bring your needs to him. And then here's what else I want you to do. little family moment here, okay? You are sheep. He is the shepherd. He has put under shepherds in between, right? He has put, like, almost like when I say to my, my babysitter, hey, I want you to treat them like they're your own, right? And then I realize she's 17. She doesn't know what that means. This is a bad idea, you know? <laughs> but it's like he, he puts under shepherds. He puts people to care for his flock. And so we have pastors and elders here. And here's what I want you to do, okay? When you decide to bring a need before the Father, I want you to tell us. I want you to let us know. Every time someone texts a prayer request to our number, our pastors, our elders, and our prayer team, they get it and they pray. We have an opportunity to come together to share one another's burdens in prayer before our good shepherd. What do you need? Let's pray. Let's pray. Okay, so save that number. Put it on speed dial. 1-800-PRAY-WITH-ME, okay? That's not the number. That's, I mean, you were like, it, it, I saw your face. You were like, that's awesome. How is that still available? It's like 27 characters in a phone number. It's not existing. 
Let's pray together. But here's the other thing I want us to do, okay? We have, as a church, we have designated a portion of our budget, a portion of all of our income. We have designated that benevolence, okay? We understand that the shepherd always provides for the sheep, but he often puts the answer to my prayer in your hands. He often gives us what we have, and out of our abundance, we can give those who lack. He gives us this opportunity. He could have just like made a few extra zeros in my bank account. God could have miraculously met my need. He could have miraculously wrote a check from the storehouses of heaven, and yet sometimes the check comes from my brothers and sisters. Why? Because he says, I gave it to you. You feed them. He gives us the privilege of participating with each other and loving and caring, and we reflect his care and provision as we care and provide for each other. And so do you need help? Let us know. There's a fund for that, right? We help people with groceries because sometimes when it rains, it pours. Permission to leave your self-reliance at the door. Permission to give up your silent suffering permission to come and run to the shepherd because the heart of the shepherd cares for his people. And so Jesus is saying to the disciples, Jesus is saying to East Point Church, if you are going to follow me, if you are going to leave these doors today representing me, if you are going to go into this community in my name, then you must respond to needs with compassion like me. You must respond to the hurting with care like me. You must live in this world in such a way that everyone who comes in contact with you can conclude that the heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. Go. Show the world through your care and through your compassion. I want to end with a special word for our elders, okay? And so we have four elders here at East Point Church. You can go to our website and see them. You have Chad, Ty, Roy, and myself. And here's the deal. The Bible says that if anyone aspires to the role of elder, he desires a noble task, right? That's what I say to my babysitters. If anyone uh, aspires to watch my children, that is a weighty task because you will answer to me at the end of the day for the well-being of my children. And so God has called these men to to come and answer to him for the well-being of his children, theologically, emotionally, materially, whatever it is, right? And so these guys are standing as elders. They have responded to the call, and Peter has a word for them. Peter has a message to his fellow elders. And I imagine as Peter is writing this, he could remember those times that he fed the flock begrudgingly with remorse. I could imagine him just going, oh, there's the third part of your prayer. Oh, right? I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I went around and just started handing out bread to people, right? Begrudgingly and under compulsion because Jesus made me. And if he had an office, I guarantee you that basket is still sitting there. As a daily reminder, feed my sheep. But he's remembering those moments, and he says this to his fellow elders. He says, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, not exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, 
not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Elders, future elders, those who aspire toward this noble task, we are to feed and care for the sheep. We are to be under shepherds who with a clean conscience can stand before the great shepherd one day and say, Lord, I loved them and I cared for them and I expressed your compassion so that they may know that the heart of the shepherd cares for his sheep. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Father, this is a gold mine. These are treasure troves of of, of lessons, Lord. These are not just stories to entertain us. There is truth here upon which we can build our lives. And so, Lord, we want to do that. Where else can we go? What other uh, a source, what other outlet can offer truth upon which we can build our lives? It's you, God. You're all we have, and you're all we need. So would you shape our hearts this morning Forge compassion in us. Forge care. Give us soft hearts whose love for others reflects your love for us. And Lord, I just pray a blessing for the elders that you would continue, Lord, to give us your compassion. Give us soft hearts, Lord. What a weighty task that we will answer to you. And Lord, who is sufficient for these things, for this heavy burden? And yet, Lord, you've called us. And so we will do it, not under compulsion, but eagerly and willingly to glorify you and adore you forever. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.